Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adeomi. We were going through the epistle of Apostle Paul to the Corinthians. And we're actually in First uh, Corinthians chapter 6. We are saying in this teaching that Apostle Paul was addressing some, some concerns that he has had, some problems that was going on among the Corinthians. And one by one, he's addressing it from chapter 1 to chapter 4. He actually was talking about the division that was among them. I have some people say I'm of Paul, and I say I'm of Apollos, and others I'm of Silvers, and so on. So he settled that in chapter 1 to 4. Now in chapter 5, he talked about the fornication that was among them. And he said he heard that there was a fornicator. He said that person should be delivered unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. So that his soul may be saved in the man finally repented. He said in the second chapter we read that he said that you forgive the man if he has repented, so that he will not be caught in too much sorrow. Now in chapter six, he was addressing something new. Something else that he has said that was going to which is people going to court of law one against another when they have some issues that they should have wrestled, they should have resolved among the believers. Say, so why will you go to court of law taking your Christian brother to court, suing them for whatever you guys are fighting over. See, the, the, the final solution is, it's a, why don't you rather suffer wrong? Why don't you rather suffer yourself to be defrauded? Don't you remember what Christ said? Christ said, if they slap you on one cheek, turn your other also. That's the word of our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Which means, believers should be men of peace, not going to sue somebody to court, how much money you are, they won't defraud the other person. And I was pointing out how in the last, in the last year, broadcast that there are many Things like that going on even in among believers in this country where we have read it in the news where some people that claim to have a business and they think they can get believers in their church to trust them that they will help them do the invest their money for example and the believers think since he's a brother in christ he's going to be honest he's not going to cheat us and they invest their money in this man and the man was just using their money to make his own, his own living without investing nothing. See, that is defrauding. And by the time you are defrauding even believer, you are defrauding God who is their father. See, you see, but this man is also a believer. They thought he was a believer. There have been a place where a church put their money in a, in a, in a Christian brother's uh, hand to invest it for them. And the church have to be now trying to sue this brother because he, he, he was using the money just for himself, not investing nothing. And in the end, that's what Apostle Paul is addressing here because it was happening in the midst of the Corinthians. Brother come going to, against another brother in the court of law. He said, you should have resolved it in the midst of the house of it. Why don't you let one of the saints decide it for you? See how much more you are defrauding your own self, defrauding your own brother. God will allow those things to happen until finally when they are not repenting, you just bring the judgment, deliver the person that is defrauding the other person unto Satan. And that's why many people die young. I was pointing that one out in that summer. Many people die young of living their life out because they are not behaving right in the household of God. They are not following the precepts of the Word of God. And then they are delivered unto Satan. God will not be protecting them. And Satan will be able to kill them. It's not God that killing people. When people die at the age of 35, accident 40, and so on, diseases are killed them at the age of God promised us long life. And the mean in the least, in the minimum, with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Is the, the promise of God for the, in the book of Psalm 91, verse 15. Long life is what he promised us. 
Someone say long life is 70, because when you reach 70, you can use it, you are ready to go. No. Until you are satisfied. If you are not satisfied at 40, 70, keep living. You are not satisfied at 80, keep living. You are not satisfied at 90, keep living. You are not satisfied at 120, keep living. God said, until I satisfy you. People, when they are in their 120, they are no more enjoying the society, is strange to them, they are old, the technology is strange to them, and they, are, they themselves are not strong enough to walk around. They, they themselves want to go, you see. That means they are satisfied with the world, with, the, with their living. But if you are not satisfied, you are still healthy, walking around, keep living. Because God created us to live forever, really, in the first place. So that's what we have been preaching. So that's why we said, any people dying young of accident, it's Satan that caused it. Any people dying young of uh, disease, it's Satan that's causing it, all those things. God does not take us. It's Satan that's doing it. But when we are believers in Christ, we actually ought to have authority. The Bible says we have authority over Satan. So if we have exercising our authority over Satan, then who is going to kill us? Nobody. You see? But people are not knowing their authority, number one, or they are letting the devil come back to dominate them. If you are walking in the ways of Satan, like this one, we say they are defrauding one another, defrauding the brethren of God. Because if two people are fighting over something, they have to go to court. Somebody is wrong, somebody is right. And if they are coming, both of them claim to be believers in Christ, and one is wrong and is, is uh, defrauding the other person, then you are defrauding the son, the son of God. God is going to judge. So you better be careful. God is going to judge. And when God is ready, he's going to deliver that person to Satan. Satan just destroyed the person at the young age. That's why some people die of accident. Some people die of fear and they, and they say they are believers. People go there and pray God and pray and cry and cry and to try to get the brother back. Nothing happened. Look at person because the man has been delivered unto Satan because of his behavior. Many people are doing it secretly. They nobody know that they were really doing all those simple behaviors. That's why sometimes when we pray and pray, it's not happening. Just give it up. Just give it up. Don't try to beat your head upon the wall as if God has fear. God does not fear. Something is the root cause. Many times people don't get to the root cause and they just wear that they think God took it away. God took the money away at the age of 35. No way. God didn't take the money away. The devil killed the man. It's the devil. But if we are believers in Christ, the devil has no authority over us. But if somebody has put himself in the hand, the, the hand of the, in the mouth of the devil and the Lord God has delivered the person to Satan, the devil will take the person away and then the man will be saved if he is born again. He'll be saved and not go to hell. Because that's double punishment. If he die young and then go to hell, that's really that he's lost. But if he die young, that will be his punishment or not, and then he's go to paradise to rest. See? That means he was saved. And people will rejoice that he was saved if that happened. But the cause of the death is why I say it's not really God that caused the death. Most of the time, it is something like this, like the one in chapter 5, where he said, deliver that man unto Satan. If the man was delivered unto Satan, the man was killed by Satan, he would die at the age of 30 something, die young. He may go to paradise. But the dying young was punishment, which the Satan impeached, you know, inflicted upon him. Because that is not how God wanted him to be. He said, we should have long life. See, that's what we are pointing out in this exhortation. So if we, like Apostle John said in, in first John, he said, the, 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 he that is begotten of God, keep it himself. We have to keep ourselves from all those all defrauding so that the devil, the wicked one, touch us not. He has not to touch us. But we have to keep ourselves from all these pollutions of the world, from all this defrauding one another, from all this un ungodliness. And the Lord will give us the grace to keep ourselves. It's our prayer. Okay, let's go on. We are really going, we are still going on in the book of uh, 
First Corinthians chapter 6 that we are reading. And verse 9 said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Because he's talking about this defrauding people. They are, it's unrighteous. So be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. None of those people shall inherit the kingdom of God. The people that are defrauding one another, is he defrauding the other person to, to make himself rich and steal from the other person? That's defrauding. The people that are taking money for, for to say, I'll help you invest it, but instead of investing it, they are pocketing to make themselves go to Las Vegas, make themselves go buy, build their own property, and they are just making themselves rich. On the experts of the other people who thought they are investing the money for them. But see, that's defrauding. See, those are what they say they are abusers of, of themselves among them. He said, but we have been saved, we have been born again. We should, nothing like that should be among believers. If you say you are a believer, you shouldn't have any of those sinful behavior in your life. That's why you see in verse 11. Say, and such were some of you, that is, were, past tense, some of you before. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God, all things are lovable unto me, but all things are not experienced. All things are lovable for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So remember, we have been washed. We shouldn't be in any of those offenses. Now it's going to talk about some other things. The meat for the belly and the belly for the meat for for meat. But God shall destroy both it, and the meat, and them and the body. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And God has both raised up the Lord, and we also raise up us by His own power. Know you know that your bodies are the members of Christ. Now he's talking now back to the physical body, that our body is the, is the members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an allot? God forbid. So we are talking about halos. It's just talking about the general exhaustion right now. The defrauding that was taking place could be in many things. It could be in money. It could be in other items that is called defrauding in this chapter six. But now he's talking about our bodies to be to know that he's a member of God. He's a member of the temple of God, and your body should not be joined to an allot. Verse six says, "What know you know that he which is joined to an allot is one body, for two series shall be one flesh." But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Verse 18 says, Flee fornication. Now, he's still referring back to the fornicator of the first chapter 5, because that could also be going on in another form, not just the man that is sleeping with his, with his father's wife. Maybe there are others that are visiting allots. Because maybe he heard about that also that some people are even visiting allots, not having their own wife, or they are not satisfied with their wife. He said, when you join yourself to Allah, you are joining yourself to do you are uh, becoming one with that Allah in that sexual relationship. But you are expected to be one with Christ. So you can you take the body of Christ and join it to an Allah? That's what he's talking about here. Verse 16. Know ye not that he which is joined to an Allah is one body? For two said he shall be one flesh. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So that is pointing for the question is. It's a global word for any sexual immorality. Whether it is in form of sleeping with another man's wife as adultery, the terminology used for that, or just going to visit Salos 
It is also fornication. If you are not married, you are visiting a lot, that's fornication. Or you are just having boyfriend, girlfriend, you are not married, you are just sleeping together, that's fornication. Or the one that is doing everything that is called sexual immorality is called is generalized as fornication. The same thing with all those homosexual acts, that's even worse because the Bible said that that's abomination before God. But since it's a free fornication, every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committed fornication sinned against his own body. What? Know you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Now people may say, well, it's my body, like people who are trying to justify abortion. They say, well, it's their body, they are trying to, they can do anything they like to their body. It's not, if you are a Christian, you are not, you have no justification for protecting and saying it's your body. It's not your body anymore, it's the body belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are a Christian. So the same way, you cannot say it's my body, I can do whatever I like to it. No, if you are a believer, you have been bought with a price, and it's good to say that right now in the last verse. That your body is no more your own. Verse 19. You say you are sinning against your body when you commit fornication. You are joining yourself to another. You are joining your body to somebody that is not in, to, that is not in yours. He you said you are sinning against your body. You say no, you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. You see what he's saying? You don't say it's my body. I can do whatever I like, and they wanted to kill the baby in their womb and said they are they, they have the right to do it because it's still their body which many governments of the world are almost legalizing for the for the women as well to do that. But that's abomination too also. You say, see your body because the baby is part of you right now, you can just kill the baby. But see, but we say, you are no more your own. That body does not belong to you, it belongs to God. So you have to remember that. You say, you are, for verse 20, say, for ye are bought with a price. Christ has bought us. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So remember that when it comes to abortion, it's the same thing that's applicable here. That you are not permitted to say it's my body, I can do anything that I have. The, the law of land says that you have the body, baby, baby is born, is now a woman and the, the law protects that baby. You can't kill the baby, they say it's murder. Also. If you kill a baby that is already born, they say it's murder. But when the baby is in the womb, they are trying to the women are trying to say it's their body, they can do whatever they like to their body if they want, they can commit abortion. It is still in the eyes of God. No more. If you are a Christian, it's no more your body. It belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. It belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you cannot just, just do anything you like to your body. So you have to use that Bible verse to justify, to, to condemn what you want to do. How much more that that baby is actually a living thing. It's a living soul in your, in, that God is bringing a spirit to the world. So we have no justification for that. So that's uh, where we can also apply that. It's no more our body. It belongs to, it's the temple, our body, temple of the living God. Now, verse chapter 7. Let's go into chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians. Now, it's going to address something else here. Now, concerning the things we are of, you wrote unto me. So, they actually wrote to Apostle Paul asking some questions. So, he's going to answer that one. Right but in, in before he answered that chapter 7, he has already addressed two or three things of what the people that brought the letter told Apostle Paul of what was going on among them, the division uh, for Paul and Paulus, the fornicator that was going on, that was sleeping with his father's wife, Apostle Paul said they should deliver that man unto, unto Satan. The one that is defrauding one another where they are going to court of law and sweep one another in court, Apostle said, what was going on here? You don't you even know that you Christ even says, when they slap you on one cheek, you turn the other, so now you are not even turning the other cheek, you are defrauding one another. 
among you brethren, by the time you are the one defrauding the other brother that makes you to want to go to court of law, something is wrong here. Why don't you suffer wrong? Why do you mean I should suffer and let that brother be defrauding me? Say, why don't you, if brother defrauding you, why don't you, why, why don't you, don't you know you are suffering, you are, you are defrauding the son of God, the child of God? You are no more fearing God. God is going to judge. I'm just pointing all those things out that God will judge with delivering people unto Satan. That's why many people die young. And people deliver good and pray and pray and say, why, oh God, why is this happening among us? Don't know what secret thing the, the man that died has been doing that nobody knows. Just let it, let it alone. But it's not God that's killing them, it's, it's Satan. That's what I pointed out. So those are all the things he has addressed in chapter 1 to 6. Now in chapter 7, he's going to talk about now what they wrote to him about. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, because they must have been talking about husband and wife, or marriage or something. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. So what, is, what was the question they write to him about? That's what he's addressing. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife has not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband has not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. Now, what was the topic they were asking? Maybe they have been among them where families are having issues, husband and wife quarreling about how he doesn't want me to have sex anymore. The woman said doesn't want to have sex, and the man he wants, and they, that is making some of them go and visit a lot. That may be one of the reasons why they write the letter. I'm just reading between the lines. Because he has mentioned a lot in chapter 6, no? so, which means those people must have, that brought the letter must have complained about it, also that some of the men have been reported to have been visiting a lot. And then the letter, they say they wrote about it, about husband and wife and so on. So he was saying, give due benevolence to your husband, give due benevolence to your wife. Because maybe that was the reason why they were, some of them are visiting a lot, because they, they are not satisfied. The wife is not allowing them. So that's why he's addressing it right now in chapter 7. So just reading between the line that that may be the reason why he mentioned a lot in chapter 6, that you are not to join your body to a lot. And now he's talking to husband and wife that don't defraud yourself one another, except it be with consent. Well, why did he start by saying it is good for a man not to touch a woman? That is, if you are able to keep yourself perfect and straight and not really have anything to do with uh, sexual something, you'll be, you'll be more spiritual, you'll be more holy, you'll be keeping yourself chaste and pure. But to avoid fornication, which is the passion coming from the flesh, let every man have his own wife, every woman have her own husband. So there will be no need for any burning, burning, looking at one another and burning because you have no wife, you have been trying to keep yourself chaste. Suddenly, you can't control it anymore. So that is what he's saying. Yeah, it's good to be, to be celibate, but many people can't keep themselves celibate. Why, why deceive yourself? Or you know, have your own wife, have your own husband. That's what he's saying. Then when you are now married, now this fighting one another, I want to have sex and this woman doesn't want it and they are fighting and beating one another because of that. It goes on in the world. When I was growing up, there was a man that beat his wife almost to hospital. They have to take the woman to because he won't allow the woman, she won't allow the husband to have sex anymore. Why? Oh, she's had enough children. And those are all the type of things that go so among the unbelievers. They 
fought over this thing. Sometimes they even kill one another because of this thing. And Apostle Paul is saying, some, before they are writing something like that, there might be something going on among the believers that made them to write. That Apostle Paul, what do you want us to do about this? This brother, this and his, and his wife that we had, the, they have to be fighting on this type of issue. And so, so Apostle Paul is saying, well, it is good to be celibate, but say, to avoid fornication. Why don't you have your own wife? You should have your husband and you have your wife. Make sure you don't defraud and all that. Except with consent. When you want to fast, then you say, well, for this weekend we are going to fast. So then you can keep yourself away from and fast and pray. Then come together again. Because if you are no more coming together, very soon Satan will bring some loss again to the man. And some loss again to the woman. That they are, they are, they are, they incontinence can bring them going to all this ungodliness. So that's why he said, verse 6. But I speak this by permission and not of command. He says, This is not a commandment that you must do this every time. No. It's permission. God allows us to do these things. It's what he's saying. It's not a command that, oh, you must sleep with your wife all the time. Your husband, you must do it. And people say, well, you have to do it two times a day, then three times a day. No, that's like a command. No, it's not a command. It's a permission. It's better to be celibate, to seek God more, to have time for God. But he said, God permits this to go on the husband and wife household because he has ordained it. Say, I speak this by permission, not commandment. For I would that all men were even as I myself. That he, Apostle Paul, we believe that he didn't have a wife. Does not mean that he was not married because he didn't call himself a, a virgin. He could have been married and separated because in the days of the, the apostles, they were having divorce among them, among the Jews, before he was a believer. So he classified himself as unmarried. That means he was once married, divorced, and living as a Pharisee before he was converted by Christ. But he kept himself to be unmarried. So he said, I wish, I would that all men were even as I myself. But every man has his proper gift of God. One after this manner and another after that. That means if you don't have the gift to be able to keep yourself from, from uh, lusting after sex, sexual relationship, then you can keep it, then, then just go get married. And have your own wife. So I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows. So Apostle Paul could have been a widow or unmarried. He said, it is good for them if they abide, even as I. So you see now how he classifies himself as his other unmarried means he was once married and now divorced from his wife and was unmarried. Or he was once married, but now he, he was a widower. As they call men, if he has lost his wife, he decides not to marry again. So that's what's why he called himself. He, he said, "I therefore say to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide, even as I, because he was also abiding, unmarried or a widower. We do not know his, his situation, but he put himself in that category of people that were once married but now they are single. But if they cannot contain, let them marry." For it is better to marry than to burn. That is, it is better to marry and have your own wife or you have your own husband than to be lost after every man or every woman that passes by if you are a man, lost after every woman that your eyes can't stand by because your body is calling for this thing. Or the woman is lost after every male figure that passes by because her body is craving for a man to hug, to, to grab, to hug, to hug her. So that is why I say it's better to marry than to burn. And unto the married, now he's going to address the married ones, verse 10. I command, yet not I. He said, now this is not just me commanding, he says it's the Lord. But the Lord is commanding this according to his word. Let not the wife depart from her husband. Now that's a commandment rather than just a suggestion. Let not the wife depart from her husband. And he said, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried. 
or be reconciled to her husband and let not the husband put away his wife so he's putting that one that's a, that's a command from god you don't separate all this divorce thing he said if you separate you have to remain unmarried there's some people going and go and remarry somebody else then you are violating the law of god then somebody say well maybe the, the woman or the man is not a, a believer it goes to address that in another section here but people are now using that like abusing the word of god god washes the earth they say well the fellow is not a believer that's why they, they separated but they, that that could be an excuse they begin to use to to justify themselves to go and remarry that he's not a believer or she's not a believer i thought she was she was just coming to our church she was not deceived but they could be a, that could be accusation they just accusing the person after they have separated and say the, the fellow was not a believer and so they they use that to justify them to go and remarry but they say god judges yeah god know that fellow is really a safe child of god and you are a child of god and you separate and you want to use accusation and say that fellow is not a child of god you're just a deceiver in the church that's why you separated and you want to go and remarry god sees the heart and god is judging so we are not dealing with say fool here we are not dealing with god my god i cannot see we are dealing with god that sees all hearts so don't deceive yourself and try to use some some things to justify yourself i remember everyone say she went and married two three wives and why are oh, you are born again you know the word of god say well i don't want to be an elder the bible only says that you be single you marry single that's the justification she said you it was trying to use or oh, this woman was so stubborn you won't obey me so i want to get the second one that's another justification the father want to use all of those things are excuses he said but god is look washing the hearts so that's why we are not dealing with men we are dealing with god so let's do this thing right brother let's do this thing right sister because god we are dealing with is i see it all even the one that men cannot see is seattle you see the motives you see the motives of the other and it's judging according to the motives so apostle paul continuing in verse 12 of first Corinthians chapter 7 but to the rest people to the rest speaker who are the rest people that are not married at all like bachelors he's going to talk to them he said i speak not to the lord he's going to speak to the rest of the people he has talked to the unmarried and widows and then he has talked to the married ones that you know separate unless they disconcile and they should live with one another due benevolence he has talked he's going to talk to the young people or they are just never married and he's going to talk to them in this verse he said it's not god talking now it's me talking as an as a believer if any brother has a wife that believeth not now he's going to talk about those who are married to the unbeliever and she be pleased to dwell with him let him not put her away now why did the apostle say pray those who are married from those who are just unequally yoked together in their generation many people are coming to christ for the first afresh many of them were already married and the husband believed and the wife doesn't believe or the wife is one that got converted the husband didn't believe that's what he's going to address it should they separate or in the church, some people have been talking about if they are married to a polygamous family and i've heard that in many places oh they want the woman to separate from the man you are born again right now you are married to the third wife of this man you shouldn't be married to that man they want her to separate and go and look for somebody many of many churches are trying to promote that or the man that has three wives when he was just a muslim and now came to christ trying to bring all our which all our wives to christ and they say, well, you can't marry all of them. You have to marry the first one and let the other go. 
and that became a trouble for many hearts. I remember when I was still in Africa, a, a man that, uh, that had married three, three wives when he was a Muslim became a believer and the church was telling, the group was telling him, the group, the local group was telling him, the pastor said, well, maybe he needs to get rid of this other first, the second, the second and the third wife and just keep this one. And that was a grief to the man, yeah, because you can't be an elder if you are going to keep those two. Yeah, the Bible says you shouldn't be an elder, but that's not mean you shouldn't be a believer. So the man came to me to, to ask questions and I said, the Bible doesn't say you, you, you can decide not to be a believer or an elder, but you are a believer. If all your wives are following the Lord, keep them, you don't throw them away. And Apostle Paul is saying that if oh, the only way you keep uh, any, any, any wife or husband can go away is if they refuse to follow Christ. That's what he's saying, Pastor Stephen. See, if any brother has a wife that believeth not, but she be pleased to dwell with him, I mean, she's not going anywhere, she loves you, and she wants to stay, she doesn't want to believe, she, and she be pleased to dwell with you, let him not put her away. You still have to control where you suppose she still wants to be worshipping those idols. You can say, well, don't worship idols in my household anyway. So that will become a bowl of contention also. But she didn't want to believe this government. She still wants to stay married to you. Say, don't put her away. You can tell that she don't bring idols to the house and she may have to have to abide with that rule and so forth. I will continue this in the next chapter because it's a long chapter. God bless you.